Hey guys, it's Brett Perlini, and this is episode four of the 9-3-9 podcast. David Clark on the show, and I was really excited to talk to David. You know, for those of you that don't know who he is, he's a longtime Nottingham Panthers player, played over 20 seasons of pro hockey, and so he's got a lot of great stories. And uh, yeah, we had a really good good chat. You know, really can't say enough about this guy. He's uh, an ambassador for for British hockey, and you know, he's a testament to the game over here. It just shows you that. Uh, you know, you can have a, a great career no matter where you grow up and, and play. So, uh, here he is, David Clark. The 90s. The 90s. Honestly, time keeps going. Opinions keep changing. All this to and throwing's really messing with my brain, man. But it's all a part of life. Every day's a roll of dice, which gives me the right to start spite to do and say what I like. Started way back in 95, what I would have done for a pair of 95s. But them shit cost like 110, walked out of JD like fuck them. Two years later, I cut 97, 10 years later, I'm not... Okay, David Clark, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Um, first of all, congratulations on an amazing career. Um, Thank you. 22 seasons of pro hockey, is that right? Yeah, well, if you want to call them pro, I think my first couple of years I was 15, not getting paid first year. Second year, forty pound a week, fifty-two week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, in Peterborough. So yeah. Yeah, I call it pro. I think it's amazing how the, the young kids over here, you know, they really accelerate them because obviously it's not too much of a junior league, is it? So you got to, yeah, once you're ready, you make that step, right? It's just how it is. Yeah, it's it's, it's a shame really because I think like the country's crying out for that stopgap between junior hockey and playing, you know, in the elite league, but hasn't quite materialised yet, but yeah, it'd be great if, if something like that could happen. But yeah, when you if you're good enough and you kind of got the right attitude, then you know, coach takes a liking to you, you get that chance and you've got to run with it. Yeah, for sure. So Peterborough, sorry Peterborough, obviously. Yeah. How was that experience growing up? Jeez, you know what? Like now when I go back, it's like, jeez, I kind of forget how maybe not quite as nice. <laughs> It actually is, you know, but it was it was really important for me because because it is bare essentials, cold, you know, maybe not not much hot water and netting and just proper old school like fundamental yeah. of young. It was it was good because that was normal for me. And then obviously, as you progress, you suddenly start playing, you know, better rinks and better arenas and stuff and like wow. So yeah, when I go back, I still go back to the hockey schools with the kids in the summer and like. Every now and again, when the ice is melting in a certain spot, you're like, "Jeez, <laughs> this is what it used to be like." But you know, it makes you appreciate, you know, kind of where you kind of got to. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And they always had one of the a good junior program. Like yeah, they used to churn out tons of good players. Like you know, you look around the league now in in, in the UK, you got Peacock and Ferreira, Hook. Um, oh, I don't want to miss anyone out here, but. And no, and then there's been players which have obviously played and retired in that time. Yeah, they always seem to, but they always similar to like the clubs at Guildford, and they, they always used to get employ, maybe not employ, but get players, ex players, as the guys, yeah. trying to oh, yeah good. work with the kids, and you know it was so valuable. You know Stephen Johnson, Tim Peacock, Peter's dad, um, John Walker, Turkey Walker, your dad probably played against, but yeah, they were all they're they're all massive influences because you know they they were the best. Of, of that generation kind of thing and, and they gave back which I think is really important to, to do. Yeah, absolutely. Then you, uh, Newcastle, Milton Keynes, the London Knights. Yeah. How was that experience? That was, was unreal, yeah. That just came about, um, I was in, I signed in Newcastle, I'd done my first year there. They were owned by Yoker and uh, they folded like just the season started. It was like, you know, September I think. So I didn't have a team. So Strats called me up and um, Basically said, listen, Junior used to call me. Was um, Strax a coach? Yeah, yeah, he's okay. coach at Milton Keynes. Okay. Uh, and London too wanted me, but I was young, so I kind of played for both teams. So Milton Keynes were in the British National League, which was an 18 port league, and then obviously Super League was unlimited. So 
because they're only playing in the Docklands, they only ever played against, most of the games midweek. So I kind of played midweek for them, played at the weekends for Milton Keynes and just practiced kind of between the both. And it's, I think I played about 90 games that year for young I wasn't playing all the time, but it was really good for my development, that's for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, it was great. Yeah, that was, they were owned by Anschutz, and yeah, it was a really good setup. They had everything, yeah, and it was kind of really privileged to get there. Yeah, that's for sure. I remember uh, watching them when I was growing up. I think my uncle might have played, uh, Kevin Conway might have played yeah. in like an all-star game with them against, I forget who they were playing, but I was like, wow, this is good. Hockey. Yeah, it was. It was. It, was, it, was, it just seemed to be... Right at a time where a lot of guys, I don't know if the money was going down the AHL and guys were struggling with contracts in the AHL, but just such a big influx of, of kind of that caliber of players started coming over. And obviously uh, London's Anschutz ties with LA and stuff, they were just getting a pick, you know, pick of everyone. So yeah, it was really good to be around, play with some great players and uh, learn a lot for sure. Yeah, so it was good, it was good fun. And then, before we get to Nottingham, uh, let's talk a little bit about Guildford, obviously. Um, small, how small the hockey world is, you're living in my old house. <laughs> <laughs> I sure was. My son was probably in yours or your brother's bedroom. You probably shared that bedroom, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, okay, after that year in London, Milton Keynes, you're like, I had a few chances to stay in a Super League, but it would have been of a, you know, a, at the time, wasn't it? It was probably. 11 forwards, you know, free line hockey. So I would have been a spare kind of player waiting for that opportunity. And I just felt that the British National League, uh, Guildford, they were putting, they were basically bringing in loads of vet Super League guys. And I was going to get to play, you know, key minutes, learn to play power play, maybe some penalty kill. And uh, yeah, so I jumped at it. Unbelievable organisation, like so good to me. I remember getting there, even mum and dad met me and took me to the your old house and I, I, lived, I lived in there and it was unreal like it was you know just like they looked after the family and they could do it couldn't do enough for you so yeah I really enjoyed it there and if anything that was probably the platform to give me a chance to kind of show what I could do a, you know a, a, a top team in that league and uh, and after that kind of you know got the opportunity in Nottingham but yeah I'll forever be grateful for everything Guildford did for me that was, that was good Good times, great golf too. Jeez. Yeah. Did you play any courses? Oh yeah, there? we used to get to was it Milford, yeah. Burford. Um, best golf deal ever there. I think it was American Golf sponsored the team, so you got a platinum card and it was like 25 courses from oh, yeah. around Surrey and Hampshire. Oh, and yeah, we sold it. Yeah, we used to practice early and uh, we'd go to Warperston Cafe afterwards. It's probably like four or five. We used to golf all the time and we just pull out the map and we'd be like, which one should we do today? <laughs> Hit it and then call up and people will be working right midday. Yeah. So we, we are some of the best courses, some of the best courses ever. Yeah, what a lifestyle. Yeah, it, yeah. It, was, it was crazy, yeah. Did you ever play Warpleston? Yeah, Warpleston, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had my first yeah. hole in London. Was it? Really? Yeah, yeah. still have that one, one pass. <laughs> <laughs> I was 11 years old. Me and my dad used to uh, go on there at night. Yeah. We'd just play like a few, like five or six holes. Nice. And there's one hole, I think it's the 10. It's all over water. Yeah. And I think it's like 128 yards. I was playing for the Reds back then. And I think I hit a six iron. Like just cleared the water yeah. and it rolled up. <laughs> I was so excited. Did you find a bit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so then you, you obviously lit it up there and had a chance to go to Nottingham. Um, why Nottingham? Just the uh, closest team to me as a kid when, when they were in the Super League. I was in Peterborough. It used to it used to be like Ben Snedger's Cup. I don't know if you remember that. And yeah, yeah. used to have like a crossover. So in the first round, the preliminary, it would be like two Super League teams, two BNL teams. We always used to match up against Nottingham. And I just used to love like going into. It used to be the older end actually, but it was they were so good, big, you know, played played the right way. And because they were kind of local, um, I kind of followed them. The goalie that I used to watch growing up, Scott O'Connor. Um, he became the goalie at Nottingham after he left Peterborough, and then, so I kind of used to watch. You know what I mean? I used to, I used to, used to be your favourite goalie back in the day. So um, yeah, uh, always kind of the other team I used to follow, I guess, that were yeah. the league above. So when I got the opportunity came, it was yeah, it was remarkable. It was just like I'd actually they called me the year before I went to Guildford, and uh, they, it was kind of I was waiting for a callback and never called me back. Right. You know, and they went, I think they went with someone else. So. When they called again, I was kind of like settled in Guildford and kind of was pretty much certain to go back because 
you know, I didn't think the opportunity would be there. And then Paul Lady became coach. Goody called me out of the blue, who I played with like on the conference and England teams and stuff. Right, right. And he was working for the team doing what he does now. And he just said, would you be interested? I was like, absolutely. But last time you never called me back. <laughs> you know, he's like, don't worry about it. And Paul Lady rang. And uh, yeah, like Gary, Kate, they got me, got me to come up. I sat down with Gary and Paul and didn't take too long at all. And yeah, next thing you know, wow. I was here. Huh. Yeah. So how was the league like when you first got in to how it is now? Yeah, it's, it, was, it's, it was, I think it was 11 imports when I first came in and it was, it was, it was, you know, going through a bit of transition, the Super League and Elite League and stuff and <clears throat> it was good. It was basically like the, the Super League just watered down with, you know, a few more Brits in it because there wasn't many Brits at all in the Super League. Um, and then kind of every year it just seemed to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah, right. so the Super League, it was no Unlimited, yeah, unlimited. When, when I was in Newcastle, I think there was five Brits in the whole league and right. two of them were backup colleagues. <laughs> yeah, you know, so. it was, it was, yeah, it was saturated. But the money was so kind of plowed yeah, into it from the yeah. start. Um, so yeah, it was a tough league. So I think they kind of found that, tried to, you know, start the league on the right foot and just make it like a, you know, a happy medium. And mm-hmm. I think they got it right. And then obviously in that time, it's got more momentum. Yeah, you've seen arenas are just, you know, stacked now as they were, mm-hmm. you know, compared to the early days. So yeah, it's, it's good how it's, it's good how it's grown. Yeah, for sure. Like I come over here now, and it's it's very similar to a lot of leagues in North America. And, and you still get the European crowds that are cheering yeah. and the atmosphere. And, and that's it, and that's good, and that's what's that's what's nice is that you know when guys like yourself and you know you hear it from a lot of imports they come and they're like, wow, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I didn't think it would be like that in England. I thought it'd just be, you know, probably like playing in Peterborough. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you know it, it's good that you know it is getting starting to get a lot better reputation and more credibility and make sure the league acts on that and keeps keeps it going. Keeps yeah, it for sure. I think uh, you know coming up as a youngster. Obviously, it's it's tough. Like, how did you find it? Like, was it was it difficult like to make pro hockey? You know what? It was kind of seamless for me because <clears throat> I think it, it, there was none of these rules. Like, never a rule. Like, if you was good enough, you played. Like, and you was probably in that when you was in Guildford. Like, I remember playing. I think I was like eight years old playing under 14s. You know, mm-hmm. and then when I was 10 years old, I was playing under 16s, maybe under 18s. I think it was back then because you're good enough. You know, and yeah, they really you don't know, hold you Yeah, back. and if, if you got hit, you know, you kind of found out straight away whether you were ready or not. Mm-hmm. And that was how they used to kind of gauge your ability. And I think, so you, you progressed at a greater rate. And then when you got to play with men at 15, I'd probably been playing against, you know, young men, 17, 18 year olds, since I was maybe like 12, 13. You know? yeah. So it was never that tough a transition. You, you know, you always playing against people that were bigger than you. So. You know, I was kind of fortunate that probably I came through in that era and then that started to fizzle out when, you know, kind of a lot of, you know, other side of the game comes into it, you know, you're, you're, um, you know, you're safeguarding and stuff like that comes into it and yeah. that has to be the way now for sure. But mm-hmm. it's just, I was just fortunate that my, that era, my era, sorry, wasn't, there wasn't really much of that around and, you know, I was surrounded by good people that always kind of push me in. So when the opportunity came, it was pretty seamless. Um, I had a great coach, Troy Walkington, who was, he watched me play for Peterborough against Romford the year before he was coming to be head coach in Peterborough. So he kind of already seen me and right, yeah, liked him to me and thought, you know, I can work this kid as hard as I want and, you know, he might have something. So yeah, I guess, lucky, I guess, in, in some sense and uh, obviously seized the opportunity too. Yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously Morgan, your son, is uh, is over in Canada right now, yeah. playing in prep school. Yeah. Do you wish you had that chance? Yeah. You know what? Like, I I I was really, I say I think if I grew up in this era, absolutely yeah, mm-hmm. I'd I'd love it and it'd be amazing. But like I say, everything he's kind of getting now, I kind of was lucky to get here because of the way it, British hockey was structured at the time. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I'd say I'd love to have gone out and played in Canada and stuff when we'd go for the tournaments and stuff with GB in England it was always you know loved it loved it but yeah kind of back then you know there wasn't really those type of opportunities really mm-hmm. um, so 
So yeah, it would be, be something great to do at his age now. I became a dad, so you know, um, yeah. that wouldn't have been ideal to have prep school a little moggy, but um, but yeah, he, he, you know, he's, he's, he definitely you know he knows he's fortunate and uh, he's going to follow his dream and happy to provide that for him. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I I always wonder uh, like the development. Like obviously, you know, I came from England playing up in different age groups, and then. I made the transition to Canadian hockey where I was playing with my own age. Yeah. And you just wonder like how how it affects you as a player, you know, you're okay, you're playing with older guys, you're you're used to that. Yeah. Or do you want to be playing big minutes with yeah. your own age? Yeah. yeah. It is it's it's say it's, it's kinda it's, it's crazy because I, I I just think it just depends on its timing and the environment, your coach, your teammates, you know. And I say I was doing that kind of what Morgie's doing with men, you yeah. know. And again, I wasn't playing big minutes um, in terms of power plays, penalty kills and stuff. But I was always every time I did a drill, I was always probably one of the weaker players on the ice. So you know, in practice, I was probably developing a ton, but game kind of situations. Didn't really those game yeah, no, didn't, yeah, didn't get those in. So you know, who, who knows what the best the best way is. Um, you know, it'd be interesting, obviously, you know, North America's got it right, Sweden, Finland, all these places, they keep them all kind of working, same age group, and then, you know, the superstars explode and go to NHL, right? Mm-hmm. And like your brother, and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, it'd be, inter- it'd be interesting. I'd say for Morgan, it is a case of what he, his opportunity here is nowhere near as good or as positive as it is being in North America. Yeah. So that's the reason why he's there, you know, so... Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a sh- it's a shame. It's a shame a lot of these kids have to go away now to kind of get that, to continue their development so they're kind of primed to at least try and stab at it somewhere, whether it's back here or around Europe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the different characters you played with over the years. She must must have been, uh, been a few, eh? There's been some, yeah, there's, oh jeez, uh, early days. Goodness. No, I, I went early days. It was, it was Jesse Hamill would have been a perfect character. I think he came. My first year in Peterborough, he was junior B player back home in Canada. He used to play for what's Cranbrook something, Cranbrook Warriors or something. Oh, yeah. But he's a big, big lad. He's 2021, 20, and uh, but he loves to fight. And I remember he, he came over, Troy Walkington brought him in, and he's like, this is our tough guy. And honestly. Probably like 6'4", six, 6'4", four, six, six, four, but he couldn't have weighed any more than 180 pounds. And everyone was like, oh my god, this is a tough guy. Like, and, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't all the, you know, the databases and stuff back then. Yeah, yeah. Kind of YouTube. Yeah, so it was like, oh, we'll, we'll see how tough he is. And I remember so well, we went to, uh, first game we went to, it was the Benson Edges, so it was a crossover. Went to Basingstoke, and uh, we played uh, Bracknell. Fought um, Darren Hurley at the time, who was a pretty tough character back then. And he kind of like, he did well, like, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't say he outright won it, but he definitely didn't lose. I think Hurley's kind of lost his foot and Jesse fell on top of him. He won that. Semi won that, we'll say. Then we went to Bracknell, another crossover game for the Bees, and he fought a guy called Brian Pellerin. Tough, like, really tough middleweight. Because he was so big, he kind of just overpowered him a bit and fell on top of him again. Well, like, yeah. like I remember everyone was like, "Oh my God, like this guy's like, this guy's doing well against him, like super elite, like, <laughs> tough guy." Yeah. Then we went into Cardiff and they had a guy called Mike McWilliam who was he was you know unbelievable reputation back in North America, like super tough, similar size to Jesse. And we're like, straight away he just went after him. Jesse did. And we're like, oh my God, like, what's he doing? And like, so he starts squaring off with him. And Mike McWilliam lands a bomb on him, and he hit him, and then Jesse kind of just um, like exploded and just started punching him. Now Mike McWilliam didn't go down or anything, but Jesse was landing on his punches, and McWilliam's kind of just holding off. And like after we were like, oh my god, we got the toughest guy in the world. Like where's this guy from? <laughs> what we realised after the game was that uh, McWilliam had had um, hand surgery that summer, so as oh, soon as he landed that first punch, he blew all the pins in his hand, oh. so he couldn't punch anymore. And Jesse was just teeing up on him, and like Jesse was, you know, so he got named Jesse the Hammer Hammer after that, and uh, he pretty much 
made a career off those three, first three or four fights because wow. everyone thought he was so tough. But then after that, <laughs> he had to come down. He, had, yeah, he, he, lost, he lost a few after that. And everyone, you know, it's like as soon as you get up there, everyone wants to fight. Yeah, they, they, he got picked off a few times. But he stayed in Britain for 10 years. He was unbelievable giving back to the community and kids hockey and stuff. And yeah, he, you know, he married, married his wife from Scotland. He lived in Peterborough, three kids. And they're back, they're back in Vancouver now. But... Uh, yeah, he was a character. Jeez, he was he was good for good for business. That's for sure. The fans <laughs> loved him. Um, going through there, jeez, probably on to Guildford. That was a good one. We had uh, Jason Lafreniere. Yeah, Lafreniere. My mum's telling me two yeah, stories. Yeah, legend in the game. Um, but that boy, he, he could he could play. He was so good. He was you know he was. I don't know. It just I think the game started changing when he was in the NHL, and like his lifestyle didn't quite suit it, unfortunately. But yeah. you know, he made an unbelievable career, you know, across the world. You know, and I was privileged to play with him. He he would just say to me, "Listen, you know, give me the puck." You think he, he's probably about my age when I played for him? He'd just say, "Give me the puck." When I go for the neutral zone, give me the puck. I'm gonna give you the puck, sorry, and then then make sure you give it back just as a, just I'm going over the blue line. And then just get open, and that was literally yeah. all I had to do in Guildford. And I'd give it to him, and like every pass was perfect. And yeah, I'd just just whack away. <laughs> he, he loved playing with me. I loved playing with him. <laughs> and yeah, so he, and I saw him a few years. We were in Toronto. Um, meet Jess and Morgan. Yeah, what's he up to now? I'm not sure what he's doing. He was he was cruising around. He's still his Cadillac, and <laughs> you know he's old school. He's he's a beauty. Like so, such a good guy. We had a chat and beer and. Um, Wayne Cowley's bar actually in, in the bottom line it is in downtown Toronto and they're all still good friends so it's kind of funny that fraternity that was over here at that time you know yeah, they're all still, they're all still. And, yeah so and, and they're kind of you know really pleased how I was doing and how I've grown up and stuff so yeah it's cool it's, oh, it's awesome. yeah, so, and then G's on it's endless Jake Elbrin yeah. uh, cinema player unbelievable unbelievable talent um, but he was some character yeah he could, where is he in the night? He was in Nottingham, yeah. Nottingham finished in Brayhead actually. Um, but yeah, he could he could play. But on his day, he was probably one of the best players, you know, that's yeah. ever seen over here, you know. And uh, but he liked to have fun as well. And you know, sometimes <laughs> he wasn't always at his best. But he was he was a lot of fun to have around. He'd always put a smile on your face, that's for sure. Every day he came in the room, he'd do something something daft, which which lifted the mood, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he won some championships here, and you know, he's he's he was, he's a good cat. That's awesome. It's funny looking back at like all the different guys. Uh, you know, even I've only played five years pro hockey, but all the guys you meet and it's all crazy. Characters yeah. and, it's like, and that that's the beauty of hockey. And, and I, don't, I don't think you can ever have. You know, you probably played on teams where you you're kind of missing that class clown. You know what I mean? You need someone in there that's just a little bit, you know, <laughs> different. That kind of brings everyone yeah. together, and you know, it's. It's, I've always enjoyed having those guys, you know, they're usually respectful and stuff, you know, sometimes you have to calm them down sometimes at the, at, at the rough, if, if it's getting a little carried away, but yeah, they're always, you need someone just to kind of, just bring a different element to the room, right, yeah. which makes it, yeah. that makes it a bit easier. Um, what about uh, road trips and stuff, or like experiences oh. with the league? You must have a twist. Yeah, it's changed. It's changed a lot. I, going back to Peterborough, I remember, what was I, 16, we lost. We went to play in Slough Jets, and they had, oh, the team was so tough. And Troy was a coach. So, sort of in my first four year pro, so in 16, uh, we can use the word loosely pro, because I'm not We went in there, and we, we just got bullied. Like and, and Troy was really keen on us, you know, playing the right way, and we got bullied. I think we lost maybe six nothing. And uh, I remember in the dressing room, you probably got that slow dressing room. It was so oh yeah, horrible yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I had a chair. I was like <laughs> smelling. I was played played some shifts. I actually played quite a bit because you know he was sitting guys because he didn't feel they were performing. And came in the room. He goes, everybody, pack your effing bags be on the bus in five minutes. Anyone who's not on the bus, you're walking home. And I was like, <laughs> and don't take, and only take your top half off and your skates. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, and I'm, it's only like my first four years, so I didn't realize, you know, it doesn't happen a lot. So get on the bus and everyone's sitting there, didn't have phones or anything back then. No one was allowed to talk. And 
We drove back from Slough to Peterborough um, in a half a clip, half kit. I didn't play that many minutes, obviously, but I was freezing because he cranked the blowers up, so we were like, just like, it was literally like, you know what I mean? And when I talk about it now, I'm like, you couldn't imagine a coach doing it, but like, this this is my first year, so I was like, oh, yeah, it probably happened once, twice a year, yeah. I guess it's normal. And these guys were just kind of like, you could just see they were sour, we got back, and it was one of the jungle moments, it was like, you know, don't hang them up, put them on, we all put our kit on, and we got bag skated for an hour, and... Uh, back in Peterborough. Back in Peterborough, we got back, put your kit on, and... Uh, you know, next day we played Slough and we actually won. <laughs> so like, you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, that's cool. That's what you do. You know what I mean? What, what a coach. Um, but I remember how sour the guys were, you know, that, that after that game, they were like, I can't believe we did that, etc. But, you know, I guess it worked. Um, and then funnily enough, I think it was maybe a year later or two years later, my last year in Peterborough, Randy Smith became head coach, who, you know, was unbelievable kind of career too. And we went to Swindon, and it was one of those crossovers. Swindon were the league below. Same thing, played them again the next night. Went into Swindon, we got blown out in Swindon. And he did exactly the same thing. Got back, and we couldn't get the ice. So it was like, <laughs> right, jump in the shower, be at the rink tomorrow. And again, we ended up turning over the win and, and winning. And so, you know, maybe there's something in that pose, but, you know, I don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. But, you know, you can imagine it happening now. But, yeah, so they, they were two road trips that I remember extremely well. But, yeah, over the years, goodness. I remember we went GB, we were playing in uh, Slovenia for the World Championships, and there was an ash cloud, I don't remember it. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're just about to get on the plane, and Andy Buxton was the general manager of the GB team, and he was like, we can't fly, no planes are going out. I'm like, okay, well, we play Croatia, like, tomorrow at four. This was at night, nine in the morning. We're like, well, we've got a bus coming, and we took a bus from Gatwick all the way to Ljubljana. Oh got off the bus. We were supposed to play at, yeah, we were supposed to play at four o'clock, but because we got in at maybe 6.30, they changed the game, you know, you played three games on the one day. They put our game back to the late game, moved the late game forward. We got off the bus, put our kit on, went for warm-up, and we played Croatia that day. And we, we won too, so again, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a common <laughs> thing about uh, long road trips and bag skates work yeah, for who wins CS. So there's been a few Gs, but yeah, it's just changed a lot now. Gs, the coaches are mostly better um yeah got a lot more information yeah, out there yeah get a wi-fi on there yeah <laughs> not sitting in traffic all the time but yeah it's been some good ones um the gb team <laughs> let's talk about the progression how do you th- how do you think the team has done since you've started playing and yeah it's it's kind of i, I think when, when i first came in i was we were my first two world championships were literally like minutes a goal or either way away from getting promoted to the A-Pool. And then obviously a lot of these countries dissolved after, you know, the Soviet Union and stuff. And they've all kind of started from lower down and come through. And, you know, so it's kind of that pool of strong nations got a lot bigger during my time. So we've always kind of been up against that. But, yeah, we've been super close. Uh, I remember it was in Ukraine, six minutes away. Uh, Paul Thompson's last year I've been coaching and you know that was we just missed out there on goal difference to go up um, but yeah I think you know over since since that era um, you know there's been Doug Corey and Pete kind of take it and it's just been getting getting back to where we are and last year was kind of nice to get that gold medal and go up to the division which you know we rightfully should be in and, and, and I just feel now it's a case of you know, getting players in, like yourself, you know, the young players, the young Kirks, and kids which are maybe not playing in the UK anymore, that you've had to go elsewhere, and, and really kind of taking a look at those guys and seeing how much of a factor they could be towards the national program. Mm-hmm. I think the only way to do that is to make something happen mid-season, you know, maybe once, twice, even in the summer, if it has to be, where you can actually see where these guys are at, so we can start investing. Yeah, have time. a little yeah, yeah, training camp exactly. or get together. And there's, there's lots of players, you know. I think you know Mike Hammond's a part of the team this year, and he's obviously shown what he can do in, in this league, and <clears throat> he's going to help. And I just think instead of getting guys, you know, when 
they become available. It's maybe invest a bit of time kind of looking into, you know, getting them to the league a bit sooner. And, you know, you see Sam Duggan over in Sweden, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's doing good and he's sort of player which you might not get to see for a few years and then suddenly he comes back to Britain and then it's like, oh yeah, we can put him on the national team. Yeah. It's like, he's been there for yeah, exactly. like, You haven't been playing for Team Canada, you played the, you know, a big part of your career as a junior here and it's like, you could have been playing for national team for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I just think we need to kind of, every other team does it, so, you know, it'd be important for us to kind of start looking into that and, and obviously getting these Liam Kirks and, you know, a taste of it as soon as possible and so they're ready to, you know, be stars at 21, 22 as opposed to 25, 26, yeah, 27. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you can see in football with the, the winter break, mm. that would be something. That, yeah, it'd be a great be idea. Great idea. And the national team now is pretty much that group of players last year, they've all kind of been together from that young era. Like Strax was coach for, for, for a period. And it was like we were all, you know, 21, 22, 23. And like we were all kind of that yeah. age. David Phillips was maybe 17, 18. Yeah. You know, we've all kind of gone through that, and now, you know, we're on the wrong side of 30, you know, most of us, mm-hmm. and, you know, some of, you know, Mark Richardson, you know, I remember him coming in at 16, 17, 18, and he's been a part of Raiders, he's 32 now, you know, and he's kind of, can't just keep relying on those same guys, you know, those yeah, guys yeah. are the guys which are still going to be key parts, but they've got to have guys to work Pushing with. every yeah, year. Getting yeah. pushed all the time. Yeah, and, and it's getting there, but I think, you know, a bit more time, which we're starting to see with the junior junior teams and stuff, it is is gonna help it in the long run, sustainability, isn't it? It's not you don't just wanna be there for one year and then fall back exactly. and, you know, build up to make that chance again. So. Um so what advice would you give to young players coming up now? Jesus, you know, you, you have to you have to take advantage of every opportunity you get on the ice and um you know, you got to listen to your coaches. I think any 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 information is good information in hockey. Um, might not always be right, but you know, it's it's a it's a case of to, to do well in 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 professional hockey. You have to be versatile. You have to know how to take instruction. You have to listen. You have to be a good teammate. And they're all things which you got to get right when you're growing up. Um, um, and that's essential. Um, it is tough to make it in, in the UK now because of the structure, but you always want to give yourself the best opportunity. And I feel those four or five traits are something which, you know, are invaluable to giving you the opportunity at mm-hmm. least. You know, you see Absolutely. it with Jordan, Joe, obviously Tets is a bit older, but you see those guys when they're out there with us and, you know, they're flawless in the way they kind of conduct themselves. And that's because they've kind of learned that going up at a young age and that's part of their game now and they're reliable. Um, I think if you don't have those, you might get a chance, but it won't last too long because, you know, teammates, coaches don't have time for people that aren't good people, that aren't, you know, fully committed and, and you know, willing to put everything on the line for, for the team. So they're things you've got to learn then learn them young. And in terms of, of, of getting better, it, it is, you know, there's a lot more away from the game now, which, you know, exactly. we all know is stretching, you know, off ice strength conditioning, um, just understanding of the game. You know, there's a lot of education off the ice which you can do to make yourself a lot better player. And, you know, there's no better time to do that with internet and highlights yeah, and, you know, exactly. it's, it's everywhere. So that's something which every kid should be tapping into. I always tell them, you know, the best thing to do is wake up in the morning while you're breakfast and what's your NHL highlights because you know yeah, it's, it's it's all there for you to see yeah and you know a big part of the game is you know you, you have to be able to be creative within that structure um, a lot of coaches now you know they have the system they want you to play and this is a structure this is our brand of hockey but they're going to give you the, the reign to be creative within that structure and you know you have to be able to think a lot for yourself now too whereas my era it was much a lot more about being a robot and stand here, go down yeah, this line, yeah. have you stick in this position, whereas now, you know, you see those players in the NHL, they're, it, it's, it's, they're, they're mentally processing the opportunity they've got and they're being creative within that and, you know, creating goals, you know, making great defensive plays, blocks, etc. So, you know, you've got to be able to compute process a lot quicker now. Yeah. And that's all from, I would say, watching and, you know, exactly. studying these yeah. guys. I can agree more.
Yeah. Okay. Um, before we get into the last segment, uh, we got to talk a little footy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pick that. We just had the Champions League drop. We were watching. Lindy had it on in there. Ridiculous. Um, yeah, your thoughts on that? Obviously, Liverpool and Man City. Yeah, I'm like, Man, I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan for, for um, The only team I didn't want to play was Man City for two reasons. One, because we played them already twice and had a good result. Yeah, it did well. Unlucky the first time, yeah. I getting kicked, to, you know, the high kick, which. Still, I haven't seen another red card dished out all season in the Premier League for that, so I'm still disappointed about that one. And I think we would have won that game too, but that's in that's in the past. But yeah, and the second reason is because they're probably the best team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I really want. It. And I just think for, for English football, like them matching up, it kind of ruins it. You know, like everyone supports their own team, but it would have been nice always, to see them both yeah, in the semi. Yeah, they want to see it. An English team in the final or semi-final, so yeah, we're gonna lose one of them. Hopefully, it's Man City goes falls by the wayside, and then after that, you're going up against Real Madrid or Juve. Yeah, it's more than likely gonna be Real Madrid. So again, that's another tough step, which you would prefer to meet in the final, and then after that, it's probably gonna be Barcelona winning. Because I got pretty much a cakewalk over the other side there. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed about that post. Yeah. It's a tough day for us. Well, at least your team's still in it. Yeah, that's true. No, I'm <laughs> so, yeah. I'm lucky enough. <laughs> that was an absolute disaster. Yeah. So we can't get over it. I know. I know. But, uh, okay, last segment. We'll just hit you off uh, with uh, 10 questions in our quick fire round. All right. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. Favorite ice rink? Favorite ice rink? Is this UK or? UK. Okay, U- UK ice rink's got to be here, Nottingham National Ice Centre. Yeah. I think my all-time favourite was when we you you've been there, the Coliseum. Yeah. There. That that was like at the time, kid. It was like better than oh, that. Oh, and the Nordiques were still playing there. Then yeah, that's how old I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we watched the game. Joe Sackett was playing. James. Wow. Yeah, it's the Coliseum. That was good. I think we were. They had the ramparts there. Yeah. That was when Crosby was coming. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So we seen oh, a pretty better. good game too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. yeah. It was, there's, there's a real, I remember the little blimp flying around, dropping stuff. And yeah. like, we'd be crawling across chairs trying to catch it. And I think it's like a free hot dog or something. But like you literally, you almost, like people, kids are breaking legs and arms. Like <laughs> yeah, trying, trying to get underneath that. this blimp across, across all the seats. That was funny. Yeah, what a place. Um, what actor would you get to play yourself in a movie? Oh, God. Can I have Denzel? That would be good. <laughs> I'd be pretty sick. He's an ugly little actor. It made me look really good. So, yeah, I'd probably yeah. have to take Denzel. Yeah, similar looks. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, your all-time starting lineup for hockey. All-time starting lineup. You can include yourself. Oh, no, I can't put myself in. Oh, is this... Um, NHL guys and everything. Or uh, you could have you know, guys you played with to the NHL Jeez. heroes. Oh goodness, there's so many. You got to throw Crosby in there for sure. Cam Neely, I was a huge fan of Cam Neely yeah. when I was a kid. That was like I used to collect all his cards, so I throw him in there to play the game really well, the right way. I'd go on there with them. Yeah. So then it's that'd be it'd be great goal. Great. Yeah. No one's hitting me. Uh, Crosby's just serving up backdoor empty nets, and I'm getting points anyway just from giving them the puck for neutral. <laughs> so I'd have that. That would be my forward line on the back end. Who would I have on the back end? Jeez. Sevens. 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 Let's throw a big core on him so he gets his game in the NHL. We'll throw sevens back there, and then. You know I love playing with him. You, 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 I probably played against him. Or maybe Keeler P. Yeah. He was yeah. unreal. Like yeah. just he was so, so just the most complete defenseman I think I've ever seen in Britain. And he's such a good guy. He goes fun really well. With him. But yeah, and uh, he he did everything. So we'd, we'd have him and then Corey be safe because yeah. he was tough. <laughs> it's a pretty big bag. Yeah, nice <laughs> good size. Goalie. Oh jeez, we've had some good goalies, but killer Craig Kowalski here. Yeah. He was he was. He was exceptional. Like, I just think like for for he was like that last era of goalies playing the puck, you know, before yeah, they brought okay. in the with trapezoids in the NHL and stuff. So like, he came here like he, any puck that got dumped in, he'd be out there like shaking, making, throwing saucer, breakaways. <laughs> scored scored a goal. Here. Oh yeah. He scored two goals. No, he scored no he scored a goal here when he was here. Yeah. Empty net, shot it, you know, just underneath the scoreboard and 
Well, and when in, yeah, I'd, I'd love the way he played. He was a beauty in the dressing room as well. Um, not your classic athlete, but he was so <laughs> agile. Man. Like, really? Yeah, unbelievable. And, and at that time when he was here, you know, the, there was a lot more opportunities. Let's just say during the game, breakaways, two on ones and stuff. And yeah. He was he was exceptional at that. Like he'd, he'd win his game super quickly. So we'd have curious back there too. So yeah, well, I like nice. that. I like that starting lineup. Um, your five side footy team. Five. I just want to mention. Yeah. Uh, my brother picked Joe Cole and Joey Barton. Oh, I don't know if you had any thoughts about that. <laughs> Joey Barton. I can see what he's done there. Yeah. And I like it. And I'm going to counteract that with Razor Ruddock. I'm going to put me a Ruddock into that. Yeah, so I'm going to counter that with Razor Ruddock. Neil Ruddock in the middle there because okay. he'd take care of Joey Barton so we'd, we wouldn't struggle against his team. Up front, Thierry Henry, TT, he's sick. Yeah. Yeah, he'd do it all. Yeah. Um, little controversial next one, but Felipe Coutinho. Oh, yeah. Wizard. Wizard. Even though yeah. the boys. boys. I'd have him, I'd have him <laughs> in there. Um, so what have I got? I'm putting myself in. Yeah. Um, I'm being just kind of playing. I don't know. I just I play a free roll, just going around. Yeah. And we need some we need some defence. We got yeah. Razor in the middle of the park, keeping it honest. But uh, back end, who do we have at the back end on defence? Who do I like? We need someone who can play the ball too, because by the side, you know what I mean. Can't just yeah, it. exactly. Interesting. Um, you know who I'm gonna put in there, Big Virgil. Oh, Big Virgil. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, send, yeah, what, Seventy-five right. million worth. Yeah. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> so I'd have him in there, and then. Between the sticks, gotta have somebody that can play the ball. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I want might put a classic in there. Maybe someone like Bruce Grobbler. You know what I mean? <laughs> good, good on the penalties. Yeah. Little, you know, a little different. Uh, what did I put there? You know what? Champions League winner Yersi Dudek. Oh maybe. yeah. Yersi. Yeah, I like that. Why not? Could be wrong not. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be my team. I like it. I look forward to playing the Brooks team. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Cole. James. Um, the funniest teammate you've played with? Funniest all-time teammate. Gotta be Galbraith, Jay Galbraith. Like, he was just funny to look at. You know, the way yeah. he, everything about him was just funny. Like, he, he'd be funny when he didn't even intend to be. Just, you know, even to this day, there's stuff that he would do that we still talk about, you know, and like guys just, yeah, so it, it have to be Jake Albright, have to be. <laughs> um, the most bizarre game you've ever been a part of? Most bizarre game? Uh, funny one last year, actually, when we was in Manchester. We were, it's like going in this sort of time, last weekend of the season, and we needed to... <laughs> We, we were, everyone was already qualified. The only team that wasn't in or out was Coventry and Manchester. They were kind of jockeying for that eighth spot. Yeah. And uh, Coventry faced off just before. They needed to win, I think, in regulation time. So they had just gone to overtime. So they couldn't make the playoffs. Manchester were in the playoffs. I think they were automatically in. And we came out to start the second period and the ice was like, wasn't, wasn't very good. Yeah. So kind of like, can't play on that, like someone could get injured. The rest were like, yeah, maybe, I'm not sure, what do you think? Like, well, let's just go to a shootout. So, <laughs> no yeah, and so the ref went and made the call to the league, and I think obviously Coventry couldn't qualify, so it's like, right, let's go to a shootout. Game was done after game was game shootout. Did you guys win? I don't remember. I think we did, yeah. Oh no. I don't remember. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't even remember. Yeah, I don't even remember because the yeah, fact that you get yeah, like, yeah, let's one point each. Go and play a shootout for the win, and yeah. So <laughs> it, it didn't have any bearing on the playoff positions, but it was just like we're on the bus after an hour fifteen, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's <laughs> sweet. See ya. Yeah. And then the playoff started. So yeah, that was that was bizarre. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> um, the toughest team you've played against. Toughest team. Well, could be physically. Yeah, um, used to be some London, London, London back in the day. They were London, McSorley's era. He had like just everyone like that wasn't 
needed in the NHL Greg Smythe, Darren Banks, Andy Bizu, Greg Ware, Mike, sorry, Mike Ware, not Greg Ware. Um, everybody on that team was just tough. And yeah, you knew it when you played them. I was in Newcastle at the time. And yeah. Yeah, I just think that was the internet was becoming a thing and you were kind of looking thinking, ooh, you know, there's no one here like that. That was always intimidating playing against them. I was young, so I kind of used to get left alone, but you used to have to play hard, otherwise they ate you up because they could see the fear. And I remember um, we had a guy, um, Eric Fenton, his name was. He was a big guy, he'd be a bit of a pest. And um, McSorley, they had Dave Morissette on the team, and there's a face off just outside the blue line. And I remember McSorley leaning over. I was on the, I'd been on the right wing looking back. And Fence had been, you know, mucking it up, causing a bit of havoc. And McSorley leans over and he just starts screaming at Fenton, don't, don't make me have to tell Dave to take care of you tonight. And I looked at him and next to him was Morissette on the bench and he was just like, so jacked up, like, let me go and chase him and kill him. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh my God, where am I? So yeah, that was, they, they were tough. That was tough to play against for sure, as a youngster. Um... Best goal you've ever scored? Oh, gee, I don't remember them. Uh, I forget. You know, like they're all they're all so good, many. Man. <laughs> no, I, I, I just, I just yeah. there, there was one I scored in here from the goalie came out. I think it was against Newcastle Vipers or something. And the goalie came out to play the puck towards the end of the game, and like it was literally, I was almost parallel to the um, to the goal, like on past the top of the circles yeah. and I just got there and just threw it to try and get it across because I knew someone was coming in you know to kind of he'd have an empty net if you picked the puck up and as I threw it it went like perfectly in the top corner and I was mid-air throwing yeah. it and it was like one of the you could probably try it a thousand times I wouldn't yeah, even hit the net but it was so lucky so that was that was one I remember that was like you know it was, it was yeah it was pretty kind of surreal um but yeah, they're, they're all good, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. They all, feel, they all good. feel the same, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Okay, last question. Um, your plans after hockey? Jeez, plans after hockey. I'm going to golf a lot more. Um, I'm going to spend a lot more time, you know, weekends with family and stuff. That's so important to me with Mason now with us. Just turned one last week, so... Um, yeah, that's going to be my main focus. Uh, I'm going to definitely enjoy summer it's going to be my last summer being a hockey player you yeah, know, yeah. You know, yeah. Like you get a lot more time to yourself and enjoy your weekdays you know in the summer are always nice um and yeah i'm just gonna i'm gonna get a bit of property i've always i've always you kind of loved property and i've always tried to be involved in that while i've been playing hockey so i'm just gonna push that a bit more through the summer and then after that i'm gonna uh, you know take a chance in the business world and just it's a good opportunity for me to kind of develop myself in that um, along with just just kind of spending some time with other coaches that I've played with um, over the years or teammates that are now coaching at, at a really high level just to kind of continue that kind of development for me and get some you know fresh fresh ideas and different ways of, you know different leagues you know how, how they play and stuff and that's really important for me you know, as a as a coach, but also you know, in my hockey schools to kind of give that that next level kind of tuition to these kids that, that work with, and the rec- the adult players they they obviously enjoy it too. So, so yeah, it's just it's just developing developing in, in, in other areas really, and obviously mm-hmm. you know continuing to grow. Um, definitely gonna be different not coming into the rink every oh, day for and sure. being in that environment. No no illusions that that that's that I'm not gonna miss that. But you know, if it comes a time when everybody who reaches it and you know i've been fortunate to do it for a long time 36 i'd say is a pretty good innings yeah um, absolutely uh, doing all of that so yeah i just look forward to kind of that next chapter after hockey and you know i've, I've always been smart you know so I, I knew that day would come sometime so mm-hmm. and just enjoy it you know take on that challenge and of, of finding that next kind of buzz that you get from you know, I don't think you can ever replace hockey playing in front of 8,000 people week in, week out, but find something that kind of ticks as many boxes yeah. as possible, you know. Exactly. So, so yeah, excited, excited. It'd be nice to watch Morgan play a lot as well now, you know, with the weekends and oh, stuff. Yeah, and for sure. the national team again, that would be nice to the, the, the 
under 20s team. Just kind of do, do that side of it. So, yeah, well, I wish you all the best. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Oh, any other shout outs? Yeah. Stevie shout Lee's out Stevie Lee's. Oh god, yeah, that testimony. That might be my next actual game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Actually no, I've got James Ferreira's testimony okay. first this in, in May. And then yeah, that could be the next time I hit the ice in a oh, competitive yeah. environment. <laughs> 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 Jeez. Yeah, that would be different. Yeah, it's funny when I had my testimony where it was like some of the like, guys you played with and they come back and they haven't touched the ice forever and you're like, oh god. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I might need to I might need to do something before that. But yeah, that would be nice nice to get out there for that and for his big night. Jeez, ten years he's been here, it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy because Yeah, I remember coming as a young young whippersnapper and yeah, good career to date. <laughs> All right, well yeah, I appreciate it. All Thanks right, for Thanks for having me. Say so thanks to mum and dad too for looking after me at, 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 at when I was when I was at your your house too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Golden, golden. <laughs> Sorry about Rob Lake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> any mail you got for it, Rob? Lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there you have it, David Clark. Uh, what an awesome guy. I mean, really thankful I could get him on the podcast uh, in his last season. Um, it's funny, as we mentioned there, my last year in Guilford, he was actually playing for the Flames, the, the pro team there. And he was living in uh, my parents' other house that, that they had in Guilford. So, um, yeah, it's funny how it all comes around. Now we're, uh, we're teammates in his last year of hockey. So, uh, yeah, I'm grateful uh, that I've had a chance to play with him and, uh, you know, catch up on some all times. And, uh, you know, it's been... Uh, been really fun getting to know him. If you have any questions for David or you know you like the podcast, you want to give him some feedback, his Twitter account is at Clark underscore co hockey. So yeah, hit him up on Twitter. Um, any questions for me, it's at Brett Perlini. And you know, we'd love to hear from uh, from you guys about the, the podcast. You know, it's been it's been great, you know. Had a lot of great feedback from the 1989 podcast. Actually, uh, so much so that um, Shooter McGavin's actually trying to steal the name back. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but he's trying to release his own version of the 1989 podcast. So, uh, you know, if you see him on Twitter, make sure you tell him who had the the original idea of the 1989 podcast. And uh, it's funny, we were getting a good chuckle in the gym when we seen him and tweet that all coming in March as a Night Screen and Nine podcast uh, about compared to what we talked about. But, uh, also, a big shout out to the 90s uh, for the awesome soundtrack. You can check him out on YouTube uh, at the 90s or on Instagram at IM90s. And as always, thanks for listening. We'll see you at the Night Screen at Nine.